getting the best out of LinkedIn. This is the Learning Podcast with Ennio Sung. Welcome to this episode of the Learning Podcast with me, Ennio Global.media. So you can't be your authentic self in business when you set out to deceive and lie to people. So to show up your ultimate energy and get the results you want, you have to be ethical in your behavior and show up as your authentic self. You certainly don't want to be held back by guilt and feeling that you may get found out. Yet people deceive us every day in business. Today, I want to talk about the ways that people lie to us in business and also online especially. I want to talk about the ways that you should be aware of and avoid so that more people will trust you and buy from you. So my rough plan is not very deep, but the content is a lot and also very informative. So I want to explain why deceptive behaviors matters to customers and to your business. And then we're going to jump straight into behaviors that we should be aware of. I will give you a context to think about those behaviors. And then we're going to progress through the different stages. That way you can see how offensive they are, I guess, and also how you might want to respond, both as a customer and also as someone who's witnessing these behaviors online. So let's jump straight into it. So I really feel strongly about companies that lie to us for two main reasons. The first one is I don't want you to be fooled or duped because you can easily end up as a victim of these deceptions. And the second reason why I care is because I really think we have a responsibility to look after each other people, especially those that we know and our network online. Wherever we can, we should be able to help them not to get harmed on any platform. So at the end of the day, no one wants to do business with someone that they can't trust, someone that lies to them and cheats them. Because you know, if you don't trust them to deliver, then why would you trust them with your money? And why would you trust them to do the right thing to solve your issues? So from a business perspective, history is littered with examples of businesses that have suffered huge losses, reputation and customers when the deceptive behaviors come to light. We've seen companies sink and share prices plunge because of negative PR disasters. So you only have to look at what happened to pret when the young woman died after eating the sandwiches a couple of years back. I mean, Pret didn't flag up the fact that the meal contained sesame seeds and Natasha suffered a severe allergic reaction. Some of the rules have changed since then, but Pret has probably never recovered from such poor practice. The same thing happened to McDonald's when it was found to be using expired meats in its outlets. They've also been accused of using horse meat, if I remember rightly. And every time there's such a scandal, the global sales drop by double digits, 7 to 10% and more to reflect the food quality issues. Well, you cast your mind back a few years ago when Elon Musk was accusing a heroic British diver who saved kids in a, in a, you know, that were stuck in a cave of being a paedophile. This Musk was just shooting off as he often does. He was blasting journalists, tweeting sensitive business information, and just abuse about this poor diver who went to go and save people. See, when Musk's lies were uncovered, it wiped pretty much one billion pound off Twitter's shares in that instant. The last disaster I want to mention today for the sake of it, because there are many more I could mention, is to do with the giant shopping company. Target. Target eventually admitted that it had a massive data breach that affected 110 million of its customers. They basically said that criminals had used malware 
to access and steal the credits and debit card numbers and personal details of their customers during a busy Black Friday period in 2018, I remember. But Target gets the data breach away from customers and the stores. When they got exposed, when the deception was found out, it sent their, their quarterly profits down by a staggering 46%. They lost half the revenue, in other words. Deception never pays. And many of us don't want to go anywhere near it because it will cost us in the long run. So what exactly is deceptive behavior? And what sort of things am I talking about? Because I tend to visualize deception as like an iceberg. So there's a bit above the water that you can see, the bit that I call the visible deceptive behaviors. These are potentially not the worst things in the world, but as you go further down the iceberg, you come across below the surface deception, and then you get to those that are in the middle of the iceberg, so they're deep. And then you have the real deep, deep deception that we are subjected to by businesses. So at the top of the iceberg, the behaviors that you can see, like I say, you may question whether these are minor indiscretions or little white lies that aren't that serious, really. In the middle of the iceberg, just below the surface, are behaviors and actions that many will see as bad practices. I mean, we'll at the very least call them dubious marketing methods at face value. They're meant to fool us into engaging and paying up. So I would argue that whether you act on these is a matter of conscience and your values. So the middle of the iceberg deceptions certainly break the rules on social media platforms and most online marketing platforms in general. So whether you're talking about Amazon, LinkedIn, Facebook, Google, they all give you a button to report this type of budget behaviors and practices. And then there are behaviors that are hidden deep down in companies because they're frankly criminal. So in these cases, you might want to report the matter to the police or to appropriate authorities if you do come across them. So what are tip of the iceberg deceptions? Let's start with the first thing you see when you go into someone's profile on any platform. First thing you tend to see is the profile, the profile picture, the profile card, you know, the header, call it what you like. But here's a fact for you. The LinkedIn removed more than 15 million fake accounts in the first six months of 2021. That's according to a recent transparency report. Whereas between January and June 2019, LinkedIn took action against 21.6 million fake LinkedIn profiles. That's a huge number. Some of those accounts were people that stopped from setting up accounts at registration. Two million accounts were fake accounts that members reported. And there were many other accounts, hundreds and tens of thousands of accounts that they only noticed after people reported them and they, they took action. But LinkedIn is by no means unique in being played by fake profiles. I've had Facebook messenger messages from my connections and followers. I had one probably a couple of days ago from a, from a friend of mine. Given that me and this friend have been here before, I didn't even bother to respond because I know my friend would not send me a connection request because we're connected already and we've done business together. Anyway, so I'm going to tell you about one of my friends whose account was hacked. So his name is Perry. So the first red flag that something had gone wrong with Perry's account is the fact that he sent me a friend request on my mobile. So after a brief chit chat, how are you doing? Uh, how's it going? What were you up to? Sort of thing. I asked him why he messaged me on Facebook when he could easily have just called me or texted me a lot more easily. 
So then he went into how he changed jobs and applied for a grant to provide care services for the elderly. So my friend then asked me to give him my contact details so he could send me the info to apply for the same grant. So by now, I knew it wasn't Perry. Perry is a passionate financial advisor and wouldn't do anything in the care services sector at all. And did I mention that Perry has my contact details already? So I played along with it for a while, would know this person on this profile. In the end, I asked him to message me the details on my LinkedIn account. Then I called Perry to find out that someone had set up a fake profile that was a mirror replica of a Facebook messenger account. See, another type of above-the-water deception that you're going to see very much is people who use profile pictures that are not the real people you're looking at. See, it's not uncommon for people to catfish us. In other words, they send us photos from an earlier time, which is nothing like how they look today. I'm not saying you have to use a new picture every day of the week, but showing us a picture of you when you were 15, when you are 21, and now you're in your 60s, is obviously being deceptive. Also, did you know that that smiling LinkedIn profile face that you're looking at might be a computer-generated fake? A Stanford Internet Observatory study uncovered more than a 1,000 LinkedIn profiles using what appears to be faces created by artificial intelligence. See, today, there are websites out there that allow anyone to download AI-generated faces for free. So you can usually tell these computer-generated profile pictures because they look almost perfect. They're perfectly centered, they've got pearly white teeth, perfect smile, and it just looks like a glorious profile picture. See, but these fake photos leave clues. I mean, many have blurred backgrounds where you can't make out what's in the background at all. You know, there's no, essentially, it's just, there's nothing there. If you look closely enough, you might notice some glitches, if you want to call it that, where there's missing hair strand, there's one earring, you know, literally some parts of the image has just glitched. But on the main, the pictures look near perfect. See, the fact is that many people have a coin toss of a chance, so a half and half chance of guessing correctly whether the face you're looking at is AI generated or is a real person. Here's the even more scary part. A study found that people consider AI generated faces slightly more trustworthy than real faces. That is worrying. The next type of above the fold and above the waterline deception that we see every day is people who lie about their expertise online. I mean, there's no guarantee that just because someone's LinkedIn profile says that they work at a company, that they really do work there. See, all liars do is write a profile that gives headline information about their achievements and experience that they know you can't verify, but don't fall for it. Obviously, they aim to get more people to pay them often for results that they can't achieve. But if you look deeper into the profile, the signs are there right in front of you. They're much like the AI-generated AI photos. You know, you can see clear evidence that it's not a real person. I mean, if you look closely enough, they, they, there's a general or bland about section. There's little or no recent activities in their posts or content sections. And you get a generic description of interest and education. And usually they're from schools and colleges that have no record of who these people are. You might get some universities in America, which they assume are big enough and you know, to never have to question or look at. You're never going to get these people from a real college, real, real university, real job down the road from you or anywhere that you're actually familiar with. See, by using these fake profiles, companies can cast a wide net online without beefing up their sales staff 
and without hitting LinkedIn's limits on messages and connection requests. So often, these are marketing companies that use these dirty tricks to connect with more prospects without their clients knowing. Some fake profiles are based on someone that doesn't exist. Others are clones of real people. And they're tools for scammers who steal your information or the feature for sensitive information. And they scam more people in your network once you connect with them or give them your information. Others use fake profiles to spread misinformation to harass or to spam people. The LinkedIn's policies are quite clear that every LinkedIn profile must represent a real person. You know, they wouldn't even have you use your, use your company name in your LinkedIn name. And I know you see people do it every day, but LinkedIn generally frowns against that. And sooner or later, they will clamp down your account and they will block your account. LinkedIn only wants real people in the profiles. LinkedIn has clear rules against creating fake profiles or falsifying information in your profile. I mean, they, they say that any inauthentic profiles, including using those pictures that don't represent a real user, go against the rules. And the exact wording is, do not use an image of someone else or any other image that's not a true likeness for your profile photo. That's LinkedIn's professional community policies page rules. So let's move on from what you can see above the fold or up tip of the iceberg in terms of what deceptive behaviors look like. So just below the surface, they're what I call ego scams. These are behaviors that are a matter of conscience in that you may choose to deal with them or ignore them depending on your values. The reason you can ignore these behaviors is because essentially they're messages that people send and they're only to you, not visible on your profile necessarily. Others can't see them, basically. It's normally a direct message, and they're there to massage your ego, so that way you engage with them, and then get your credit cards out. Because there are too many variations of these ego massaging scams, the way I see them, and they do happen in plain sight in your DMs. The first one is what I call solicitation scams. So you connect with someone on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and either straps you connect with them, or not long after, you suddenly get a message, a random, hi, dear message. The next message that you're going to get from this person is, oh, where are you from? If you follow the conversation, you'll soon get the person asking for your email or WhatsApp number so that they can show either show you how to make more money, obviously, relies on you giving them your money first to invest, or they can send you a gift once you give them your contact details. See, many others will pitch you a sub story that needs you to donate to a charity somewhere in the back of, of Africa or Asia. Need I say that you shouldn't even engage in these conversations? I usually refuse to talk about anything other than the service that we at Global.media or that my clients offer. I make it very clear, I only talk about what we do. If you're interested in what we do, then I'll talk to you. Otherwise, I'm not interested. Please go away. Of course, you're going to carry and get messages for a good few minutes afterwards maybe even days, but essentially once I've decided that you are a scammer, I am walking away. I'm never going to talk to you again. The second type of ego massaging message that you're going to get, it will normally start off with you won an award or you've been selected to win something, but obviously you have to pay. I got one of these on my client's Instagram DM yesterday. It went along the lines of, hey, we're doing a special feature in collaboration with NYC Journal titled Top 20 Mentors of 2022. If you want to be featured, you need to build your authority and establish yourself as an industry leader. DM us at XYZ. 
P.S. You only get a reply if you qualify for the feature. And, oh, charges apply. See, you'd be forgiven for thinking or maybe wondering whether this is a chance to improve your thought leadership and visibility. Except I've seen this message time and time again on virtually all of my client accounts, including mine. You know, I've seen the same message on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn as well. Obviously, they adapt the message and the magazine, the publication to fit your sector. So if you look closer at the message sender, you see some huge red flags that should alert you that this, this is a scam. And I have spent a long time screenshotting many of these profiles and these messages. The line charges are applicable, but it says it all really. The publications don't exist, and they're certainly not, not going to help improve your thought leadership or your status. And it comes at a price. So just get your credit card out, and we're good to go. So the next thing that people do is spam your posts. And they will try to basically post the sales messages or information about the products and services, even though they have no relation to the content that you've posted. People post spam comments on every platform. LinkedIn, Clubhouse, Instagram, Facebook, where you can leave comments, people will post spam. See, no scenario as your post been published that you get the post posted on at blah, blah, blah account or profile. The spam comments are genuinely my pet hate. The people who post them are usually peddling services that are best dubious, or more often than not, total cons. See, whilst you may think that they are harmless and just ignore them, and leave them on your posts, because any engagement is better than none. The risk is that you leave your followers and connections vulnerable to being scammed when they go and then click on these profiles to see what they are. And I see many accounts that just ignore these profiles. I always think, you know, it, it's a bit like Japanese knotweed. It's something that you don't want to grow in your garden, because once they take hold, they'll grow tentacles that never end. So I report every single post it at blah, 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 spam comment on my and all my clients' accounts every day. When you tend to report these spammers, you normally have the option to block them immediately from the platform. Whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, it only takes a few clicks if you know how to report and block these people and you don't see their comments again. Obviously, they will set up other accounts. And I'm just diligent, and I think you should be too. Don't leave your network exposed to potential scammers when you can just deal with it and get rid of these people. See, I've taken the time to see who's behind these spam comments, and I see the same picture over and over again. None of the accounts have any meaningful followers. That should be a red flag. None of the accounts are genuine profiles. They have nothing that tells it's someone who actually does something, someone who's actually active on social media, someone who actually has connections, someone who actually has something to say and actually does something useful. None of these accounts post meaningful content. At best, they appear to post random images, usually images of kids or half-naked women. I genuinely strongly feel that no one should entertain spam comments and give the spammers a platform where they can basically spread the, the disease on, the, on our pages. If you know, go below the middle of the iceberg deceptive behaviors, then we'll get to deep level below the surface behaviors. So these are 
the third level down of four, if you think of it that way, you know, so we're going further down into the iceberg. We're not quite at the bottom yet. And there's a behaviors that are deceptive and just break the rules. Should you report them? These behaviors come in four main guises. And we, that you and I see every day, whether we want to pay attention or not. The first one is people who buy followers. See, many people just buy fake followers these days because they think it makes them look more popular, looks more liked than they really are. You can buy thousands of fake profiles at your account on any platform, including LinkedIn. The question I always ask is, why would you buy fake followers who can't ever buy from you? So you may look good to the unsuspecting person at a glance, but anyone who looks closely at your profile and your followers will realize your connections are fake. If you want to be an influencer, you'll see projects go down the pan in a flash when you get found out. Whereas if you're a legitimate business, you lose customers because prospects will generally begin to wonder what other lies do you tell? It used to be that the biggest evidence that someone has fake followers is the fact that they might have thousands of connections or followers, but they have little engagement or activity on their posts, on their blogs, and you know, on anything they share on, online. Alas, the cheats have got smarter. And you can now buy fake engagement too. So you know, literally you can buy likes, comments, and shares pretty easily and for you know, little money. The problem comes when someone bothers to look at the engagements that you pay for. So invariably, the comments that you get from fake engagers and fake followers have no substance. You often, you often get lots of fiery emojis, lots of heart emojis without context. I mean, these fake followers and fake engagers, they offer no meaningful engagement or comments. And the platforms that you use, the LinkedIn, the Facebook, the Instagrams, the platform's algorithms know that they're not meaningful engagement. It's not, it's not going to help your account in any way whatsoever. Again, when you look at the profiles behind the engagement, you see that they're not real people. They have virtually nothing on their profiles in terms of background, expertise, or experience. So they have no followers. That's going to show that you have a decent network with the right people. Now, many of them are just random profiles that all seem new from a strange you know, foreign third world country somewhere. They're just random profiles that you can see are just simply dodgy. I remember a test by the comedian Dave Gorman did one of his shows. You know, he found that companies that had up to 80% of the same followers and engagers. Let me tell you that having nearly everyone that follows me also following you screams loudly that we're both cheating. And every platform monitors and they will report, you know, there's some number of figures somewhere of how many connections we, we share together. My share to us represents 5% of, of the same connections. But you know, if, we, if we're going into double digits, if, we, if we're going into the 80%, 90% of the same connections, something's wrong somewhere. And anyone who looks will know that we've both bought followers from the same person. And Dave Gorman basically showed that influencers and traditional bricks and mortar companies like window fitters are just as likely to buy followers. You know, even presidents of certain countries buy followers. There's many different people that buy followers. They probably wouldn't expect to need to lie. But it just seems that people are always in a hurry to try and look the parts rather than actually be genuine online. So on to the next deep deceptive behavior that's against the rules. So anyone that pays for 
Google Ads, will quickly realize that many of the clicks on your ads are not by real people who actually intend to buy. So whether you're doing Google Ads on search or Google Display Ads to show up on websites that are in Google's Display Network, the fact is that there's normally around a 15% click fraud and ad fraud that's always been there. Let me say that clearly. Nearly two out of every 10 clicks that you are paying for in PPC ads are fraudulent clicks. So many are bots or fraudsters that competitors or display partner website owners buy into to click on your ads and cost you money. So whilst display network website owners might make money, the more clicks you get on the website, competitors just want to ruin your ad campaign and cost your ads budget. So while display network website owners make, can make money the more clicks you get on their website, competitors who invest in click fraud just want to ruin your ad campaign and cost you your ads budget. So you may wonder whether Google or other search engines really care enough to stop click fraud on your ads. After all, regardless of whether it's a click as malicious or not, they're still making money out of every click that you get. See, however, they tell us that Google has created by far the most robust anti-click fraud program for PPC that's out there. See, we're told that Google's system detects click fraud using a three-pronged approach that starts with automated filters and then has advanced algorithms to detect and filter out invalid clicks in real time, even before advertisers are charged. So, but the fact is that no search engine can ever filter out all the fake clicks that advertisers are likely to get. So the last level of deception that's definitely wrong, I want to talk about today, is fake reviews. The Trustpilot tells us that they removed 2.7 million fake reviews from almost 50 million reviews that they received last year. So that's roughly a rate of... 6% of the reviews that Trustpilot gets are fake. On Amazon, fake reviews are anywhere between 42% and 61%. On Google, roughly 4% of all online reviews are fake. See, when you figure that there are billions of websites reviews on Google, you can see that 4% runs into hundreds of millions of fake reviews on Google. So it's no surprise that 35% that of consumers suspect that's people are faking the reviews or lying about the reviews. So the thing about fake reviews is that they don't just affect the person that's lying. I mean, every time the people, now people find out about fake reviews, it, it affects all of us. The simple reason that people stop believing us and our reviews. And when potential customers don't know what is true and who may be trying to con them, we all lose out on getting more business on the basis of the great reviews that our real customers leave. When customers don't know what's true and who may be trying to con them, we all lose out on getting more business on the basis of our great customer reviews. So on to our final level of deception. And the question I would ask is, are these against the law? I would say so. So what deception are potentially criminal? Right, here's the first one. Did you know that 20% of the world's biggest websites don't use the HTTPS on the website at any one time. So we're talking about insecure websites that collect information, for example, e-commerce sites. 
So even if the information you do, that you collect is on your contact us page, having a secure website is essential to protect that information. I mean, that's why Google will hammer you if your website doesn't have a certificate and a padlock. It will make your website virtually impossible in search to find. And should your data ever get hacked or compromised, you risk the Office of Information Commissioner giving you a hefty fine that's a proportion of your revenue. See, fraudsters are able to target these insecure websites and pack their information. They will then likely send your customer an image of the transaction or interaction with you so that it looks like it comes from your business. The unsuspecting customer then clicks on the email and then the device will get malicious software that way they can then get your sensitive information or your client's info to do more scams. I mean, you see it every day, you know, it's why you get emails from Royal Mail that look like Royal Mail emails, but have no, nothing to do with you because they're essentially just scams. You know, same thing when your banks send you a screenshot of your conversation. Businesses are allowing these things to happen by having insecure websites and insecure data storage, information storage. The last unlawful business practice I want to talk about, probably a bigger one and a bit different to all the others. This is why I put it as the deep level cheats and deception that is totally unlawful and against the law and generally makes me sick. You see, we'll expect businesses to do the right thing and treat everyone fairly. Yet we see many companies that discriminate. We see them because not because they do it above above the above board. And eventually, you know, they're breaking the law, and eventually someone will reveal that they are being unscrupulous, being deceptive. You see, today many people will turn to the gig economy and employ freelancers to undertake many creative and media tasks and many marketing tasks. Things like content writing, search engine optimization, graphic design, web design. And you can add digital marketing as a whole to AI, to cybersecurity, to that list. So I'm all for hiring freelancers, but it disgusts me that some of these companies treat freelancers differently depending on where they are in the world. See, Africa alone has roughly 10% of the world's freelancers, yet this large talent pool it's often overlooked by European and American companies looking to hire freelancers to work remotely. So in today's hyper-connected, borderless world, we have an unprecedented opportunities for professionals who are talented anywhere in the world, no matter where they're located, to do good work. See, freelancing gives businesses access to a pool of smart, talented, hardworking professionals and business owners in emerging economies such as African countries, Argentina, Bangladesh, India, the Philippines, and even Serbia. See, but the data shows that businesses often discriminate, you know, they treat freelancers differently, even though they do the same work, the same required level of skills based purely on where they are based geographically. See, the current £19 per hour fees for freelancers on, on average is actually down from £21 an hour in 2014, 2015. And the only reason why the freelancer rates are going down, even though the value of the work is going up, is likely due to the influx of new freelancers from emerging economies. The companies seem to assume that because the businesses in certain places pay less, they can afford to pay the people from those areas less. The same job that they'll happily pay more for if they're paying someone else in a different place. 
See, businesses don't just discriminate on race and ethnicity. Despite the increased representation of women amongst the freelance workforce in recent years, there's a persistent gender pay gap with men making on average $28 an hour compared to $23 an hour for women. See, the simple fact is that on average, women are earning 82% of what men earn in the freelance market. The worst thing is that this global gender gap is also widening slightly and has been growing since the 2020 pandemic. Like I said, I'm all for hiring freelancers to get your work done cost-effectively. No reason why you can't save on benefits, pensions, and so on. And if work gets done to the same level of quality, then good on you and good on the freelancer. But how would your customers feel if they found out that as a business, you are discriminating between people? You know, would they trust you? And would, and would they want to keep doing business with you when they know that you treat people differently based on ethnicity and gender? You know, one of the biggest things that a company doesn't want to be accused of in this day and age is racism, much less being discriminatory against people based on their men or women. So you don't want to get trapped or caught in that web of deception. See, I've said it already, now, where there's business and technology, sadly, you find cheats and people want to deceive customers. Whether they're telling little, little lies, like hiding the true picture of the person I'm interacting with, or maybe, you know, it's pretending to have expertise that they don't really possess. Maybe it's not really living the values. Maybe it's saying one thing or believing in equality and then treating people differently. The one thing I will say for sure is that deception rarely works. You know, of course, you, you might get away with lies for a period of time. However, I can assure you that almost always, sooner or later, customers will find out the truth. And when they find out what you are really like and what you're really doing and how you're cheating and deceiving people, your reputation will be irreparably damaged. Customers will boycott your company, they'll cancel purchases, and they'll demand repayment of the money. So I could go on about the companies that have suffered when they've been found out as deceptive companies that are lies and cheats. But my, my main point I hope you take away today is that it pays to be your authentic self in business because many customers never forget and they never forgive. Happy marketing. So that's all for today's episode of The Learning Podcast with me, Media. As always, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, then please give us a like because it helps us to get seen by more people. Better still, hit the subscribe button, the notification button, so that you'll be the first to know when the next episode drops in a couple of weeks. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Learning Podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast to stay ahead of your competition on LinkedIn and head to global.media.com to find out more.